Good day and welcome to the Jeff Casello program. As your host, we'll explore various issues concerning America and the economic issues that we are now facing, which are which include the Federal Reserve System, rates, government debt, the, the disappearance of the middle class, and economic trends in the USA, as well as the world. We're also going to have a Bible lesson and explore what the Bible has to say about economics, money, debt, the Ten Commandments, and its relevance in today's society as well as where are we heading biblically? Your host will add in a joke or two, some blast from the past in the, in the way of stories, quotes, and thoughts on how this great country was formed. In the future, we wish to expand the program by having a surprise guest and a talk show to get the pulse of America. You may agree or disagree as I welcome your thoughts, but let's do it civilly and without explicit language. Thank you for listening to my first podcast of the Jeff Casello program. As we begin the program, I want to take you back to 1965 where a gentleman by the name of Paul Harvey and the rest of the story came on. Many of you listening to this podcast remember Mr. Harvey and his many stories. It brought great interest, a laugh or two. Uh, wow, I didn't know that moment. And probably one of his best works I ever heard, I want to uh, share with each of you. This is If I Were the Devil, transcripted in 1965. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The so I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible's a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confine that what's bad is good and what's good is square. In the old, I would teach to pray after me, our father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that everything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. 
I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. Hmm. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to disciplinary emotions. Just let those run wild until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and defy science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls, as well as church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and in moral conduct. I convince the young that marriage is old fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on the TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there's no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. That was Paul Harvey. Good day. So much to think about from 1965 to today. So many parallels here in the United States. It's just amazing. It gives one a lot to think about. It gives for all of us something that is hard to swallow. That from 1965 and in a little bit over six, nearly 60 years, you can see what has exactly happened here in the United States. I want to get into something a little bit more in the next segment. So keep tuning in. And I do appreciate you listening to the Jeff Casello program. When listening to the Peter Schiff show, the subject of the economic depression came up. 
not just a feeling, but more a knowing of what is going on in this country of America and the effects of the middle class. When listening to the show on the economic depression, which occurred about uh, two weeks ago or so, the following figures came up to enlighten your eyes. And this was April of 2022 to April of 2023. According to the government's sightings and numbers, we're up 4.9% this year. up 8.3% in April and up 0.4% for the month of April from last year. Very alarming, but not so much as alarming as to when President Joe Biden came into office and we are now at this point of being up 17.4%. If these numbers don't scare you, how about this? Inflation, April twenty, uh, April of 2022 versus April of 2023. Eggs, up 21.4%. Bread, 12.6%. Housekeeping supplies, 9.8%. Baby food, 8.8%. Electricity, 8.4%. Shelter, 8.1%. Dairy, 8%. Groceries, 7.1%. Poultry, 5%. And uh, real average hourly wages, down 0.5%. Wow. When you look at that, you have to wonder, where is the middle class in today's society? Are we becoming a caste system where we have rich and poor, and that's it? Uh, I, I can't get over the government telling us that 4.9% isn't bad, especially in real numbers. If you look at the CPI, it's probably 9.8%. Again, again, do you actually believe what the government has to say or how they're inflating or should be making these numbers real and not deflating them? The pressure on the middle class, you and I today, is enormous, and we are basically seeing it eroding away. And the real question arises... How do you print money and keep on printing money and have nothing behind it? It's like the little child that walks up to the husband or wife, looks at a toy. It might be a bicycle. It might be a doll. And says, you know what? I would really love to have that. That would be awesome. The father or mother looks down and says, I'm sorry, but we can't afford it. And the child's reply, oh, yes, you can. You got checks. You can afford it. And yet there's no money in the bank to pay for that. And yet 
our officials, our treasury, our congressmen, our senators, our president, our powers to be, keep writing checks that they have no money for. We'll just print more money out of thin air. And yet you and I, if we're late on a bill, if the IRS says that we owe something and we don't, we get nailed with interest payments and the possibility of losing our house. Now, do you honestly call this fair? Here we are living in the richest country in the world, the United States. People should not be going hungry. People should have suitable living. And economically, we should not be writing checks that we can't pay for. And yet we have our politicians, and that's what I call them, not statesmen, but politicians, which are standing in line talking about the dealings, the debt ceiling, the debt ceiling, the debt ceiling. What will happen if the government goes to the last minute and they don't reach a compromise? Well, folks, what would happen in the case of high inflation rates as we are seeing. You know, uh, the, the higher the interest rates, the higher prices you pay for when you borrow money. Remember the good old days and not so far ago when an interest rate was 3% to borrow, to buy a home. And now what is it? And the talk is, is it's going to get up to 8% or even 9%. Again, inflation rates. Your son, your daughter, your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law want to move out from an apartment and get their own home. And yet what they're being paid for with wages actually going down jobs being shipped over to foreign lands. And what's happening here? And why don't we stop it? Why don't we vote out those men and those women and tell them enough is enough? We want sensible people that will honor what they say. And when they write a check, they have money to pay for it. And yet we see the debt ceiling going up and up and up. We see higher and higher inflation rates. So you mix that with higher and higher interest rates. And what do you get? You get labor costs, material costs, rent and interest all going up. And you and I are paying the bill. 
And what's the take on the government? What's the take on Joe Biden? Well, we need to find a compromise and increase the debt ceiling. Now, you know, I'm not the smartest man in the world, but is that common sense? Are you not throwing uh, gas on the fire here? If you got inflation rates going up, if you have interest rates going up, you want to increase the debt ceiling. You want to print more money. That's not worth a thing in comparison to what you're buying. And yet you and I receive the monopoly money and we take it out and we spend it and we get less. Just look at the grocery store. There's many of you out there that are listening to this that can remember the time back in the 1960s, the 1970s, where you basically could take $50 or less and get a lot of groceries for that. Today, you take $50 in there and you're lucky to get two plastic bags worth of stuff. You were able to buy a car for under $5,000. And today, no, not anywhere close. You were able to buy a home, a beautiful home, for under $50,000, but not today. All bad news. The dollar future and the purchasing power of our dollar is in strife. The Chinese have not only caught up, but in many ways surpassed us, holding their hands in precious metals and in canals where our ships go through. The Chinese also are pushing their dollar and trading their dollar because the United States is losing ground with our dollar, both here as well as abroad. And many of our, quote, friendly allies are beginning to really question the United States dollar and buying up our debt. Sad but true. You know, I write understandinggodslaws.com and I've printed a good bit of information on the 1930 depression. I want to take you back there and something that Peter Schiff said has really hit home with me. Back then, if you lost your job in the 30s due to the depression, the cost of living by losing your job went down. And if you kept your job and you were fortunate enough, your paycheck went even further. 
consumer prices fell. Now let's move to the 2020s. Lose your job. What do you do if the government play, pays you unemployment compensation? You're still going to have to dip into your savings or your 401k just to meet ends meet. Because things have escalated to such a high price where you have to look at, can I pay my rent, my electricity, my food bills, and what can I cut out in order to make ends meet? Just think, even if the government does provide you a check as a bailout, which many of us received a few years ago, it was just plain money, funny money, fiat money, whatever kind of money you want to call it. So we cash it in for whatever the amount was. But how far did it go? Not too much, not far at all. And again, this is where we're standing on things. The treasury debt, the sovereign debt, the currency crisis. You know, the point has come. Do we raise the, de the debt ceiling or not? And the answer is no. The biggest thing is the debt. One must look at the actual debt. It's debt. And think about it. You want to have a higher standard of living. You want to have cash is king. You want to stay out of debt. That way, if there is a crisis, there is a major monetary crisis. If you have no debt, how can a bank or a mortgage company come after you? How can a car company come after you if you take it out a loan? If you're paying and you are out of debt, you are in very, very good shape. But if you're not, you know the consequences. So why is it so different with our politicians? Why can't they balance the budget and say enough is enough? And to eliminate debt. That way you would have no problems about a debt ceiling. Instead of printing up money, and just giving it away for more and more and more, and we become government handouts. Why not do what's right and simply live with what we have? You and I do this. We're not so naive or even so stupid. And yet we have those that are quote unquote officials 
that if you bring this idea, they look at you ludicrously. Or they say, you know what? There's not a thing we can do. Well, there is something you can do. And that is, we need to basically destroy the system that we have. And we may very well see this with the upcoming economic depression that we go into where the fiat money, the printed money, or whatever we have in the way of our government has will not be accepted by nations around the world. And what are we going to do with that? The pay the pauper is very, very close. And if we don't awaken, it's a simple matter of sink or swim. We have the life preservers. We know what to do. And I do urge you that we do it. And we get rid of those that have put us in debt. Very simply. Have us put in men and women that will do the right thing and will live under a budget. And by the way, while I'm on this, I want you to consider this. You and I have health insurance or what many of us think are some type of health insurance. And yet the United States government officials have different health insurance. How come? Should they not pay the same health insurance as what you and I are? Why are they so different? They still put their pants on one leg at a time. America, we must get our heads out of the sand. It's time to implement laws, a law, to do what's right. And we must have men and women that will do what's right. Yes, it takes more than one, but whether it's health insurance or writing a check or what's needed to help all Americans, this must be done. The time, to, the time is we must focus on economics. We must focus on strengthening our dollar, strengthening our buying power strengthening what we have and not weakening it. The basis of our business is small business and the middle class. We are the backbone of America. May God bless you in all that you do. And may we work toward the America that is based upon small business, the middle class, and the availability to make things better and more honest, whether it be in our media and to hold our politicians accountable, accountable 
for the greater need of all, not just to preserve, but to grow and do better. For we were given the availability in the way of talents to do better for both ourselves and our family. It's my hope and my prayer that we do this and that we hold our men and women who are politicians accountable. And if they don't, we do it by voting them out, whether it's for corrupt character, for lying, for deceit, for not doing what they say, and for being age-long old politicians in our government. Think about it. The economy has weakened immensely. And if we don't put the fire to the feet of the politicians that are in office, then will we be any better than Persia, Rome, Greece, or any of the great countries that went down? Good day. Before we proceed with the Bible lesson, I want to uh, lay a little background for you on some very interesting information that I've been reading. I've been reading about the book by Jonathan Kahn, The Return of the Gods. So interesting. And here's something that I think you're going to find very fascinating. It begins in chapter 16 with a prototype the first case of national apostasy recorded in scripture was that of Israel's fall at Mount Sinai. While Moses stood on the mountaintop receiving the Ten Commandments, the people of Israel waited at the mountain's base. Growing impatient as at his delayed return, they decided to make a god of molten metal in the image of an egel or egel, the bull calf. After creating the idol, they held a celebration in its honor. They feasted and drank with music and festivity, offered up sacrifices on its altar, and as the scriptures record, corrupted themselves. Then came judgment. What happened at Sinai was a prototype and template of national apostasy. The template is now replaying in America and Western civilization. The central elements of that prototype have reappeared. The departure from the word and the ways of God, the rejection of the Ten Commandments, the process of defecation, the worshiping and serving of idols, and the replacement of God with a flood of sensuality. And in the case of America, we may add in the actual creation of a molten image of the bull family and the actual striking down of the Ten Commandments. There's another element from the apostasy at Sinai, the face of Moses gazing down in anguish at his nation's fall. There is on Capitol Hill in the chamber where the House of Representatives convene a face 
it's a unique face. The only full-faced representation in that chamber, in fact, all the other faces in profile are tuned to it. Who is it? It's the face of Moses. It gazes down, where? At the speaker's podium. It looks down, where? At the chamber's proceedings. Voting and passing of legislation. And where? At the State of the Union address and on the president. Ah, but the face of Moses also appears on the walls of the nation's highest court. The most prominent figure on the Supreme Court's eastern side is that of Moses. And what is he doing? Holding the two tablets, just as he did on the mountaintops on that day. The tablets appear as well as on the doors that lead into the Supreme Court chambers. So as Moses looked down on Israel's apostasy from Mount Sinai, he now looked down from Capitol Hill and the nation's highest court. Moses looked down on the House of Representatives when it sought to enact laws that warred against the laws of God. He looked down on the president when he sought to advance an agenda to overturn the ways of God. He looked down from the Supreme Court with the Ten Commandments in hand as the Supreme Court struck down the Ten Commandments in the public square. He looked down on the podium in the House chamber when the efficient dedicated the new Congress to the pagan god Brahma. He looked down on America as it descended into apostasy, as he looked down on Israel, as it descended into apostasy on the day of the golden calf. The nation that had been founded after the pattern of ancient Israel had now fallen after the pattern of Israel's fall. It had turned from God and given itself to the gods. Darkness had become light. Light had become darkness. Sin was now holy and holiness was sin. Everything was inverted and Baal, the God of inversion had done it. He had worked his dark magic and the words of the prophets concerning ancient Israel now spoke to America and Western civilization. They had forgotten his name for Baal. That which had been consecrated to God at its inception was now possessed by his enemy, for it cannot be forgotten that the name Baal also meant the possessor. That's just one passage from Jonathan Kahn of many. This is what struck me, how he was able to take the golden calf and Moses 
and the Ten Commandments and how we as America in Washington, D.C., in the House as well as in the Supreme Court where Moses looks down and merges all this information is just absolutely amazing. It truly is. I hope that when you're in Washington, D.C., and you have the availability, you can go to both the Supreme Court and to the chamber and to see exactly what I just read you. Please take the time to think about this, for this is where we are today. And I think that as Jonathan Codd has said in his book, and I'm in full agreement with, we are now seeing that darkness has become light, that light has become darkness, and that sin was now holy, and holiness was sin. Our Bible lesson today begins with a wonderful subject, the first commandment. I take this from understandinggodslaws.com, all one word, understanding God's laws, where I began writing on God's laws and I've given my viewpoint as well as uh, writings from the King James Version and providing biblical material for you to think about and digest. Uh, I've taken a particular verse as my, what I call go-to verse or a verse for you to consider each day. So turn with me to Psalm 1 verse 2 in the King James Version. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. It's my hope that you too also meditate day and night on his laws, every one of them. For he's given us a pathway to blessings and ramifications of the curses. So as we begin, turn to Psalm 118.24 in the King James Version. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please keep this verse always in mind each day, for God hath given us life to live daily. And as a wise man said, it's better to be six feet above than six feet below. The basis of the first commandment begins in Exodus 20, the number three, King James Version. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now the word of God goes into greater detail about the above verse. Here is a dual witness turned to Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 10, again in the King James Version. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image, 
or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Turn to Deuteronomy 6, 13 and 14. For the King James Version says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods, of the gods of the people which are round about you. This is the first commandment from God that sets the tone for the rest of the commandments. So you might ask the question, what is a commandment? I looked at Webster's New World Dictionary of the American Language, and it said a commandment is a command, an order, a mandate, a precept, a law, any of the Ten Commandments, Laws described in the Bible is given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. And it says, Exodus 22 through 17 and Deuteronomy 5, 6 through 21. Now, when I turn to the Wycliffe Bible commentary, this is what I found on page 69, the number three, the first commandment. This is more than just a proclamation of monotheism. It prohibits worshiping or honoring anything before God in thought or word or deed that in all things he might have preeminence. Colossians 1.18. Furthermore, the Wycliffe Bible Commentary says on page 68, the law was not given as a means of salvation. It was given to a people already saved, Exodus 19.4, colon 2, in order to instruct them in the will of the Lord so that they might fulfill God's purpose for them as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, Exodus 19.6. The revelation was given not to give, but to guide life. And that was P. Fairbairn, The Revelation of Law and Scripture, page 274. Now, I know that's a lot of information for one to swallow, a good bit. So as part of my research, I utilized the Digest of the Divine Law by Howard Rand and we'll quote him on page 52. The very first commandment after the willingness of the people to become his kingdom has been accepted by God 
defines their relationship to him, thou shalt have no other gods before me. If you go to the fairer Fenton, it renders this, thou shall be no other God to you except myself. This has been a great minute, a great amount of information that I provided you. So I ask that if you would take the time to daily open God's words and to look at the verses and allow the Holy Spirit to render to you his thoughts and to give you the necessary spiritual feeding that is needed each day. The answers here in the first commandment are very, very clear. We shall not follow other gods. There is only one, and he is to be the one and only God, no others. I hope and pray that you keep this in mind, that we shall not have any other gods. Let's finish off by saying, when you turn to Leviticus 26, as God lays out what will happen when we, as his people, keep his commandments, and what will happen when we break his commandments. I believe you will find the obvious answer, which is to agree that God has provided a roadmap for Christians who follow his commandments, his laws, and his statutes, for he, in turn, will bless them. I hope you have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening to the Jeff Casello program.